Welcome to Not Your Father's Data Center Podcast, brought to you by Compass Data Centers. We build for what's next. Now here's your host, Raymond Hawkins. Welcome to another edition of Not Your Father's Data Center, brought to you by Compass Data Centers. I'm Raymond Hawkins, your host, and today we are joined by CBRE's Vice President, Haynes Strader. Haynes out of Dallas, Texas. Haynes, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Well, this is our uh, second uh, edition with you. We're grateful to have you uh, join us again here as we wrap up what may go down as the uh, craziest year of our lifetime. Yeah, it uh, it's been one. It's been one for the books for sure. Yeah, not notwithstanding the global pandemic, uh, I believe you uh, welcomed a new edition. So let's focus on that for a minute, if we can. That's a uh, uh, b- big news for twenty twenty. Yeah, we had. It's been a crazy year for sure, um, and uh, we've been blessed to have uh, little girl Charlotte join us uh, here the last couple months, and um, she's six weeks old uh, now, right. and uh, she's she's doing great. She uh, is starting to ask about kilowatts and megawatts. Yeah, and, good, you know, good, good to get her in the data center <laughs> business early. Good, yeah, exactly. Good, um, good, good. But no, all that's been it's been fun, and in a way, uh, having. Uh, you know, being able to work from home, uh, which would not have been the case probably without COVID, has made that a blessing in disguise in, in some ways. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we'll uh, we'll tell Charlotte stories years from now about what the year of her birth was like. But what what a great blessing and congratulations to you guys for uh, bringing her into the world and getting the the joy of parenthood. It's uh, mine are uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum now. Mine are twenty two and twenty and. Um, boy, it's been a it's been a fun ride. Certainly, the best job I ever had is that of dad. So excited for you yeah. guys, uh, Haynes. That's good awesome. stuff. Good stuff, bud. Well, uh, twenty twenty. Um, so so so. Um, you know, we, we're, we're so grateful to get to chat with you again, um, look back on the year. Um, if I had to summarize the year, when when we get asked in in our leadership meetings about twenty twenty, I would uh, my description has been. It's been really busy, lots of activity, um, but execution has been difficult. Actually getting done, all kinds of looking, all kinds of meetings, all kinds of talking, all kinds of Zooms, but the ability to execute at our customer level has been really, really tough. So we have an incredible looking pipeline without lots of execution. That's how it looks to us. Uh, I'd love to hear, Haynes, as, as you have a different view of the market and a slightly different customer set. How's, if you had to summarize 20 20 in a sentence, how would you summarize it? Yeah, I, I think uh, I would summarize it as kind of a uh, maybe a backwards L shaped recovery or J shape um, in a way. We, you know, we, we had a really busy first quarter and then in March, obviously, and busy, you know, people were signing deals and then March hits and we saw a big screeching halt as everybody tried to kind of figure out what was happening. But there was lots of activity, lots of questions, lots of fires to put out, uh, lots of things that needed to be addressed. Uh, but agreed, there was definitely a slump in transactions. Uh, I think we've seen that start to really pick back up into what's looking like a pretty busy fourth quarter. And I think we're going to be just rocketing into 2021, both from an enterprise standpoint and a hyperscale standpoint. I think the the big thing we saw out of this year was the pandemic caused everybody to take a really hard look at their digital strategy and what their digital infrastructure looks like. And I think we saw enterprises in particular 
really start to take action. Uh, and I, I think it accelerated, a, you know, whether it was digital transformation or it was simply improving uh, connectivity between locations or creating, you know, a remote environment for your workforce, whatever that was. You know, we saw those plans that may have been out for three or four years crunched into uh, three or four months. And uh, I think we're now starting to see those go out and execute. Um, so uh, I can tell you uh, from just our, our team in Dallas, uh, I don't think we've ever been busier. And, and we're starting to see uh, deals uh, get signed, which is, which is exciting, but a lot of activity going into next year. So, Haynes, I like um, you, you alluded to the pandemic causing or forcing a lot of organizations to rethink their digital strategy. Um, I heard early in the pandemic sometime about uh, May or June, someone say, we've seen three years of digital transformation in three months. And, and I think that's only accelerated in the back half of the year. I think that um, what we've seen is is two things. One, that enterprise set of customers going, hey, can we do our business this way? Can we do our business remote? Can we do our business work from home? Can we manage all of our communications online? Um, can the business actually remain productive? And and how do we make it remain productive? Number one. And then number two, all of the cloud guys that, that we support uh, who provide those services all go, all seeing their demand go through the roof. And I'm not going to have any of the statistics handy at my, at my fingertips, but I know Zoom and, and and um, Microsoft Teams uh, saw, you know, exponential growth, you know, record logins by day, record growth, record user numbers, and all of that, um, I think, has made the enterprise customer stop and go, okay, we thought about changing. What do we really need to do to, to change? And I, th I liked your phrase. You said uh, we really see rocketing into 2021. We would completely agree. I mean, we have uh, we have more projects and more requests and more proposals uh, being worked in December than any month I've ever seen. Yeah, that's 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 interesting to hear. And I, I think you know, a lot, there's a lot of talk around uh, remote working and what that's going to look like in the future. But I think I think there's what we're seeing, I think, is a more strategic uh, play from many of our, our larger clients that we've talked to for a long time about uh, transformation. And a, and a lot of that is financial services, healthcare and technology companies that have seen a fundamental shift in their business. And so when you look at healthcare, for example, uh, the rise of telemedicine that this has prompted and the ability for doctors, the ability for doctors to connect with patients digitally, but also the adoption rate of customers being willing to do that has gone way, way up. And just like your same thing with e-commerce, right? Or, or with uh, food delivery, you're seeing people that normally wouldn't have been comfortable on a computer or on their phone, uh, engaging with a service provider. Uh, now having been forced to do that for a year, feeling much more comfortable uh, doing that. And, and so we're, we're seeing this, this trend of really strategically upgrading technology to improve customer experience and improve interaction with, with end customers. And I think that's going to drive some really cool long-term developments in this space. Yeah, I got to tell you, Haynes, uh, personal experience. I think I think you nailed it. Um, so, so for for our listeners who don't know, Haynes and I are separated by about a generation, and uh, so, so we have slightly different life experiences. And and for me, so some things um, that that you and and my kids probably do all the time, right? DoorDash or Uber Eats. Um, another funny one is um, I still take my checks to the bank when uh, when someone mails me a check, which I know a lot of people don't even understand what a check is. When someone mails me a check, I go to the bank. 
bank. I don't like, and, and my children are like, dad, why are these checks with a deposit slip sitting on the counter? And I'm like, cause I'm going to go to the bank this afternoon. And they're like, dad, you know, you can do that on your phone. And my daughter was like, look, dad, here you do. Just sign the check, take a picture of it and you can deposit it right from your phone and it'll take one minute. And it's things like that that I'm like, oh, well, that was handy. You know, Uber Eats has become a normal part of my life. Um, and, the, and then, and then, Haynes, you, you brought um, you brought up. A, and the, I'm sorry, I'm just going to be silly on this sure. one. I couldn't believe the Uber Eats thing. This is one of my favorite Cajun places. I'm like, I bet they're not on Uber Eats, but I'll try it. Ordered it, and literally 22 minutes after I ordered it, the guy's knocking at my door with my favorite Cajun seafood, and I'm like, why would I ever leave? Yeah. <laughs> so, this yeah. is so handy. And to your point, because I couldn't go in the store, but I wanted to support them, I went and downloaded the app and tried it for the first time. And, and so, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a personal example of the adoption you're talking about, and then I got one more. I mean, I don't know about you, Haynes, but I don't know if you've done much telemedicine with, with Charlotte being born this year, but holy cow, I had telemedicine visits this year. It is the greatest thing. I get a text from the nurse that says, the doctor will be with you in five minutes. Please get on and let's do your pre-check stuff. I don't have to drive anywhere. I don't have to sit in the waiting room reading, you know, um, Southern Living. I don't have to wait an hour for the doctor to get caught back up. They... They schedule me a slot. They text me five minutes before. The nurse asks me a handful of questions, and boom, the doctor's right there. It Telemedicine for me is revolution. I mean, I know there's things if you break your leg, you're going to have to go physically see the doctor. But, man, that has been an incredible change. And, and I agree with you. What it's going to do to the back-end services is truly transformational. So I, I laugh at the list you made. All three of those impacted me personally. Banking, uh, food delivery, telemedicine, um, all, all things that um, impacted me in the last year where I just, I wouldn't have done it otherwise, Haynes. I wouldn't have, yeah. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't have made the deposits differently, ordered the food differently. And, and then, and to your point, I just wouldn't even think about it. My doctor would call me on my phone. No, that's that's exactly right, and I think that if you take it a step further, so it's it's easy to understand, you know, that you're interacting with your breeds and you're interacting with the customer, but who else does that impact? And when you think about it from a technological standpoint, when you when you make the order on Uber Eats that goes to a restaurant, the restaurant may or may not have great technology to uh, not only receive the order from Uber Eats and, and all that, but then actually process it and based on the volume of what they're processing. And you've seen companies like Chick Fil A and McDonald's really aggressively roll out technology infrastructure to allow them to be super efficient at doing these takeout orders. And that's why, you know, when you pop on, there's a handful of restaurants every time that are always 10 or 20 minutes away. And it's because they, they can handle massive amounts of volume. And I think we're just, again, going to see that continue to grow. Um, we have a food facilities group at CBRE and, and they've never been busier because they're out trying to find, uh, you know, non-restaurant space for food preparation for a lot of these delivery apps. Wow. Um, and so, so it's just, you know, it's just, just a place the, to prepare without a, without walk-in, without tables. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just the 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 whole concept. It it, it changes. You know, it, it goes all the way down the business chain. And I think you'll see restaurants come up with more technological, innovative you know solutions. Uh, and again, all of this relates back to if you're a restaurant, most of that's probably going into the public cloud somehow. But but again, that's driving hyperscale demand, and and you just. Every aspect of those things has a trickle-down effect that, that impacts other businesses, and all of that supports the story that we're going to see greater consumption of data, greater creation of data, and we're going to need more places to process it. So um, I, I continue to think that COVID, I think you, you nailed it on just, you know, COVID 
definitely ramped things up uh, from a technological adoption standpoint. But I, I think, as always, technology is growing exponentially year over year. The amount of data that we're creating is growing exponentially year over year. And I think we're starting to see that. And we can talk a little bit market to market if you want about what, where we're seeing that specifically now. But it's been a pretty cool instance in our business. It's been obviously a very challenging year for for a lot of people. And um, I think that that ultimately, hopefully, people are, are better served by a, a community that, that understands everybody better. We've all been through this shared experience. I've had to do some flying and I've never had a more pleasant experience, you know, from a customer service standpoint in my life than uh, traveling lately. And, you know, people are appreciative, spending dollars at the hotel or on the plane or whatever it is. And, and you know, that's I hope that we can hang on to a little bit of that as we get back to normal over the next over the next 12 to 18 months. Well, Haynes, you, you raised a couple of really, I think, important things there. Uh, you know, shared experience produces connection and produces bonds, but shared suffering, um, I think, produces real um real deep connection and, and, and love. And, and I think the, that the world has shared in this suffering uh, this year, I think is um, vir- virtually universal and I think uh, produces in all of us uh, r- reminding us what's important and what's true and what's valuable in life and, and hope that we come out a, a better society on the other end of this. That is, that is for sure. Um, I definitely want to do um, some, some market level conversation. Hey, I think that will be great. Um, can I ask a couple more real estate specific because because sure. I think your position is unique. Uh, l- love the sort of the overview about how we personally have experienced and seeing uh, the way technology is changing and what it's doing to the back end. And I couldn't agree more with your statement too, right? Right. The, the pace at which the world is adding ones and zeros, the world is adding data is only accelerating. Um, and, the, and the way we do it and the pace at which we do it is accelerating, which ultimately for you and I, as the guys who who build and represent warehouses for, for data, it's good for us. So completely, 100% agree with that thesis. But I'd love if you're willing to take a couple of minutes. You mentioned the food service part of the business. How be interested to get your take. Um, so I, I went and stayed. Uh, Haynes and I are both recording here from Dallas, Texas. That's where we both live. I went and stayed in downtown Dallas this past weekend. Uh, a friend of mine had built a new hotel and wanted to go check out the new hotel. And, and just spending two days downtown and walking around and seeing it, uh, couldn't help but think about what's the um, commercial real estate market. And, and I know you're in the data center side of the business, but I do, do want to get your thoughts. And how do you see you and I think about this from a digital transformation and warehouse for ones and zeros and data centers and, and, and key data center markets? That's how you and I think about this. But from a CBRE lens, what do you think of the commercial real estate business? How is this going to be transformed by COVID? Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't answer that question um, from an official CV standpoint, but what, no, I, what I can yeah. tell you, just as a as a professional in the space, is the office um, realm is is going to be impacted, not because people aren't going to use office space anymore. I think there is still a very strong, perhaps even a stronger desire for many functions to be in the office, um, and 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 I think a lot of people work from home has been nice for whatever reason, but. Uh, you know, being able to be in a place where you can focus on work, where you're surrounded by colleagues, having that camaraderie, but also having a place where you can have all the resources that you need to, to function. I think that's going to continue for a lot of roles. I do think there are certain roles where work from home has been really pleasant and having that option has been a really nice uh, life change. And I think companies will see that and, and many companies will provide the option, uh, which will attract talent. With that said, you go down downtown Dallas, there's a lot of 
big leases in a lot of those big tall towers with limited parking where you've got a lot of people commuting in. And and I think the renewal scheme over the next five years is going to cause some heartburn for a lot of these tenants that have, you know, maybe they're in a hundred thousand feet and they realize, you know, we really only need 60,000 because we're going to allow remote working or whatever, or we're going to reconfigure, we want to reconfigure our space. So it's more bring your own device. It's more workplace 360, which is something CB has been doing at our own offices around the country for a long time to provide more flexibility for employees. And, and so I do think that's going to cause um, there to be some big chunks of vacancy uh, for, for a while. Currently, there's the, there's as much space for sublease in Dallas as there is office space for lease. And so, um, you know, that's a, that's a concerning uh, trend. I think it's going to take some time uh, to, to recover from that. Um, I, I think from Texas's perspective, we're actually fairly insulated. We're going to be fairly insulated because I think the amount of migration that we're going to experience from companies coming from coastal cities into Texas is going to be dramatic. And we've already seen some of that, but I think it's just getting started. It's accelerating, isn't it, Haynes? That's right. And so the availability of nice office space that's sitting there today and frankly is very affordable relative to where a lot of these companies are coming from uh, may get backfilled faster in in a Dallas and Austin, a Houston, a San Antonio than what we're going to see in other markets. But I, I do think we're we're in some markets, it's going to be a real challenge and uh I think it's going to take a while. Fortunately for CBRE, we're a really diversified company. We've got a great space and, you know, data centers, obviously. But if you look at our industrial business, it's, it's it will be the engine that drives our company in a lot of ways this year. And the industrial business is on fire. I mean, just e-commerce has driven in a good way. Uh, e-commerce has just driven uh, tremendous demand. And, you know, Dallas we're seeing double-digit uh, industrial rents in some parts of the city. We're seeing double-digit uh, industrial rents in New Jersey and New York and uh, around the country in key markets, and that's a huge shift uh, over from over you know five years ago. Uh, and I, I think that's only going to continue for a lot of the technological reasons that we just talked about. I mean, the ability to to optimize supply chain and deliver things remotely without having to have a you know showcase space or retail space where people are coming in and people can now being comfortable ordering things online, that trend is only going to continue. And then when it comes to retail, you know, I, I don't know that I can speak with a lot of intelligence around what's going to happen to malls and big box retail. But what I can tell you, and this is really just from personal experience, is we over Thanksgiving went to Topgolf and uh, I was stunned by how busy it was. And, you know, had a great time and all that. But the reality is people want to get out and do stuff. People want to get out. They want to go eat. Yes, they can order food at their house, but people like going to restaurants. They, they like going to retail. So I think experiential retail will rebound. I, I think the lockdowns and, and the restrictions on retail has been devastating for a lot of small businesses. But I think there's a lot of appetite to invest in that space when things normalize. And, you know, it, it, while it's it's going to be really sad to see some staple uh, restaurants go, I heard uh, 21 Club in New York is is gone uh, recently, which is just just breaks my heart because that's a special place to me that I had a lot of good memories. And, um, you know, so, so stuff like that's going to be rough. But the reality is that opens up some real estate that that hasn't been available for, you know, 60 years uh, for some new concept. And so I think ultimately... Uh, retail will rebound, but again, it's going to look different. And um, I don't think you're going to see the amount of, you know, big box type things, but that, that's been coming for a while. So I think in, in a way, this accelerated th- that transformation in retail as well, uh, because businesses just either 
could make it or they couldn't. So we'll, we'll see how all that pans out. But what I would say is overall, I, I think real estate, the real estate industry is going to be okay. Uh, it's, but, but we're going to have some challenges with retail and office for, for some, some time ahead of us. But, you know, you look at life sciences and, and medical space booming um, right now. You look at uh, the hotel business, while it's been definitely challenged during COVID, um, is starting to see signs of life uh, into, into, the, into this year and into 2021, which is great. And hopefully there's some recovery there. And fortunately, there's been a lot of consolidation in the hotel space. So there's some financial structure there that they can support they can survive this thing overall it, it will be okay it's just going to take people getting out of their houses and, and getting back to some some form of uh, life similar to what it was like before covid but i do think it's going to look very different you know you you think about when it as it relates to hotels and then you think about business travel and how much companies are willing to spend on business travel and i've seen you know reports anywhere from 30 percent to 60 percent cuts to business travel. Well, there's plenty of markets where that's going to have a huge impact on, uh, you know, hotels, on, on retail, on uh, transportation, all that kind of stuff. And so it'll be really interesting to see what that does. And when you think about airlines and all of that and leisure travel, business travel really subsidizes a lot of leisure travel because the business travel uh, makes the uh, airline profitable to go to as many places as it flies. And so if they're not seeing that, do we see a cut down in routes and availabilities and what does that do to markets? And so I think I think there's a this is going to have a long longer tail on it than um, it's you know a year from now it's not going to be right back to where it was and and so I think there's going to be some serious impacts to different uh, aspects of the real estate business but but at the same time you know I think the hope is we're going to see some growth uh, and you look at technology and companies that are growing they're not slowing down on on office you know I mean they're still taking down office planning new headquarters all that kind of stuff and and we're seeing tons of new technology companies popping out of the grass uh, because of because of COVID and, and what it's driven to the opportunity it's creating for technology companies to solve problems. Um, so I think we'll continue to see you know new opportunities and new growth that are going to look different. But it it's kind of all across the board. I, I, I think I feel very fortunate to be in the data center space through this because I, I know it's been tough uh, in, in other sectors. Yeah, we we share your sentiment. I, mean, I hate that the kind of problem the world has faced with this pandemic has has led to our business doing well, while other businesses have been destroyed. Um, understand that that we're blessed and fortunate, and feel terrible for those folks whose business have been hurt. But I think if I could summarize uh, your thoughts, and, and I, I think this is what I hear you saying is the, the world's going to change, the real estate market's going to change, but it's not going away. And and completely agree, right? The entrepreneurial spirit, people wanting to be social, people wanting to connect how we do things is going to fundamentally change, including how we go to work, but we're not going to stop going to work, right? And 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 I mean, by going, I literally mean going, right? Yeah. I think you're right. The the functions that go in and, and the frequency with which you go in, and, and I think all of that is going to transform. But the reality is we're going to settle into as much as I'm, I'm not crazy about the term, we are going to settle into what a new normal looks like. What what does the world look like? I think the flexibility of, of people coming in five days a week and commuting and all of that, I think all of that is companies' eyes and perception and vision have been opened and transformed and changed based on this event. And the way things look are going to be different, but there's going to be real estate. There's going to be offices. There's going to be industrial, to your point. The, the idea, uh, you know, I loved your reference to the food services group, right? That we still got to make food. People are going to eat. It's just, do we do it sitting in a restaurant or do we do it in a industrial or commercial kitchen that, that does delivery? 
things we're all going to continue to buy clothes, eat, and go to work. It's just going to look different in the future. And, and I agree with you too. This isn't going to be transformed by June of 2021. This is a multi-year shift in the way things look. And um, you know, you you can back up to you know pre the concept of the mall, right? People went shopping and and, and nobody knew what a mall was. And the malls came along, and you know, the sort of downtown areas got thinned out and moved to the suburbs. These transformations happen, but it's over years and um, this one just the impetus here was was quick uh, and I think it'll be many many years as we transform I, I, and I also I liked your uh, top golf reference people want to be around other people right um, having food brought to your house is great but it's different than being in an atmosphere and hearing live music and seeing your friends and um, getting dressed up and all of those things that are that are part of just being social beings which we all are so agree with that well Haynes this is this has been good as we've uh, talked about the bigger picture um, if you're willing we'd love to hear a little bit you know market driven around North America um, places things that you see trends that you see markets that you think are um, you know transitioning to, to really heating up um, you know, I liked your reference to rocket ship in 2021 we completely agree with that assessment and if you be willing to share with us what you see at a, at a market level or an activity level or uh, maybe a little bit of what 2020 looked like from an absorption perspective and what you are excited about in 2021 would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy to do that. And, you know, I, I don't have, we, we have not collected all of the uh, Q4 data yet. So I'll give you what I've got, but uh, note that still changes and updates to come. So we'll just to touch on when we start in Silicon Valley. It's been a uh, pretty crazy year. Uh, vacancy is sub 5% in Silicon Valley. There's very little space available, less than less than 20 megawatts available. I think it's it's right now, I think there's about 11 megawatts of, of vacant capacity. Um, and there's been approximately 23 megawatts of absorption uh, year to date. And that's not including the fourth quarter. But, you know, it, it, if you absorbed everything, uh, you wouldn't be beyond 40 megawatts of absorption. So my, my gut is that'll end up around 30 megs of absorption in that market just based on a, a capacity constraint. But got tons of uh, product under construction. And when you look at uh, you know the, the uh, Silicon Valley market, you've got 25 megs under construction right now. You've got another 80 planned uh, that will probably take, start to break ground in 21 and 22. Um, but just the, the the timeline to build new product in Santa Clara and uh, that market is is you know really long and um, so I, I think Santa Clara continues to be a very healthy market with premium rates because of the limited supply you get a premium for the the difficulty uh, of of developing in that market but it, you know continues to be an important market I think uh, you know despite high power rates and seismic risks and all that kind of stuff the the reality is tech companies like having something you know some of their compute near uh, where their people are and uh, that continues to be an important important factor in that market uh, which I think we'll see continuing if you go up uh, you know where we've seen a lot of activity is really in, in Vegas and uh, Reno and we don't have uh, down to the minute stats in those markets just because they're dominated by switch and uh, we don't have as much public information from switch as far as performance but reality is switch is building uh, their newest uh, nap right now uh, they've filled up most of uh, supernap 9 and are, are under construction at supernap 10 which is another 40 megawatts so i think we anticipate you know that market is doing somewhere between 25 to 30 megawatts a year 
uh, and then Reno's probably doing about the same, which is also switch. Um, and they're, they're already building out their, their phase three there. So, um, you know, lots going on, um, in that market, uh, in, in, and a lot of that activity is coming, I think, out of demand that has been kind of stuffed up in Santa Clara just because there's not enough supply. So continue to see activity there. And, and I think we'll continue to see that market grow. If you kind of just keep going south into uh, Phoenix, we really like the Phoenix market. It has uh, a lot of the right fundamentals as far as availability of power, uh, ease of working with the uh, municipality, uh, good at tax incentives uh, in that area. And so, you know, overall, uh, they had over 20 megawatts. Uh, they've had, I think, 25 megawatts of absorption in, in year to date. Not again, not going into the fourth quarter. Um, but, uh, I think it's 25.5 megawatts if I'm reading my notes right here. And there's another, and there's 28 megawatts under construction right now. We saw Iron Mountain secure a substantial lease with, uh, one of the major hyperscalers. And, uh, we also saw, uh, one of the private developers aligned, um, continue to, to get a, a nice enterprise deal at, at their site. So, you know, it's a, it's a busy market. There's a lot of competition. Obviously, Compass and uh, Stream are building uh, big sites out in Goodyear where some of the hyperscalers are also developing their own space. And so I anticipate uh, we're going to see some exciting activity in 21 in Phoenix. We are aware of a number of large deals circling that market, and many of them have location requirements where they may have one or two or sorry, two or more sites that have to be a certain distance apart. And so we really like, you know, there's a, there's a great cluster right by the airport. There's another cluster up near closer to Scottsdale. And then there's this kind of new cluster in uh, in Goodyear that I think is going to drive some some cool activity in that market in 21. Uh, as you kind of head, it, we'll, we'll pause in Denver really quickly and then head back down to uh, to Dallas. Uh, you know, the Denver market's really interesting because it's, you know, it's one of the best connected markets in the country from a from a fiber standpoint. And you have a lot of retail colo providers in that market. Flex Central has a very strong presence there. Uh, Zeo, CoreSight, Equinix, Sixtera, EdgeConnects. Uh, there's there's a lot of providers uh, in that market, but they're they're mostly uh, H5 is another one. Uh, they're mostly smaller buildings. They're not building kind of these large hyperscale facilities. And um, we've seen some large deals get done there. Iron Mountain secured a large government contract there. Flex Central recently did a large hyperscale deal. Um, so there is activity in that market, and frankly, supply is limited. There there are not. If you have a one megawatt deal, uh, there are not five options for you that are available today. Um, with some construction lead time, that there is opportunity there. But uh, you know, I think we view Denver as a, as a really good growth market in the long term. It's just you know absorption year over year uh, in that market is usually three to seven megawatts. I think it'll be closer to seven this year, and, and maybe even a little higher than that. Um, but but good activity, uh, but definitely a, a secondary market. Jumping down to Dallas, uh, it has been a wonky year in Dallas. We had a really good first quarter and pretty slow second quarter. Uh, we've had a very busy third and fourth quarter. So uh, the market overall is at about 30 megawatts uh, year to date. And I think we'll probably add three or four more to that number by the end of the year once we've done the final count. But there are so many providers. There's 24 co-location providers in the Dallas market. How many? 
you say? 24. 24. 24. Wow. <laughs> it's a long list. And that's frankly probably not including a couple that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't view as hyper competitive, but it's, I can, I can remember the number of facilities, but it's more than 60 data, colo data center facilities. And within that, you know, there's 15 that can do a one megawatt deal today. And so when a deal hits the market, it's just really competitive. And the, the challenge that we've, we've seen from landlords is, you know, they don't feel like there's great market activity. And, and even when there is, um, it's because there's just too many competitors to see every deal. Uh, and we see a lot of deals get done with, you know, the, the larger REITs with existing customers out of other markets and, and it doesn't go to a full process and all that. So the great thing about Dallas is if you're a tenant, there literally is not a better market in the history of the colo business than Dallas uh, to go lease space right, right now because power's as cheap as it's ever been. Colo rates are as cheap as it's ever been. And there's lots of choices. And so, um, you know, the land, on the other hand, is getting pretty scarce. But we've seen a lot of activity. Uh, Digital Realty has been very busy. Uh, Cyrus One's had a few a few big wins this year. Equinix has knocked it out of the park with their uh, addition at 1990 North Stimmons. The new building next to uh, the Infomart has been just a, a, a big success for them. And then lots of new product coming out of the ground. Obviously, uh, uh, you know the Compass uh, campus up in Allen is is fully accommodated, and you guys have gone down south. Uh, with your new build and, and Google has publicly, uh, you know, been there in Midlothian and they own some land in, in Red Oak. And, um, we, we've seen some other, uh, users looking uh, south. So I, I anticipate you guys will find success there. But, um, you know, the Dallas market is a unique market relative to pretty much everywhere else in the country. Um, I'll flip down. I'll do Atlanta and then we can go into Northern Virginia real quick. Um, so Atlanta. I've actually been kind of bearish on Atlanta just because it hasn't had all this historic absorption to prove up the amount of development there. There's a ton of construction going on. There's a lot of new uh, providers in that market and vacancy got pretty high uh, this year. It was at 20, 20 megs in a 150 megawatt market. That's, a, that's almost 15% of vacancy. But, uh, and, and again, and there's building 28 megs. So that's, that's a lot of construction, but year to date, uh, we've seen in Atlanta, uh, really good leasing activity. So, so they've had uh, about 15 megawatts of absorption year to date. And, um, you know, I think we'll see uh, probably another four or five in the, in the fourth quarter here, which isn't quite keeping pace with supply, but uh, it's not out of control. So, so I, I think Atlanta is going to continue to be a really good market. I think the state of Georgia passing the tax incentives that they did attracted, obviously, growth from Facebook and Google and others. But I think we'll see uh, other groups really taking advantage of that because you can, as a tenant, take advantage of that uh, in the Georgia market, which is which is really attractive. So I'll I'll, I'll go to Northern Virginia last, and uh, we can stop there. But you know, Nova is just remains a, a, a global market within itself, and it's you know it's just wild what's going on there. So uh, there will be about 200 megawatts of absorption in 2020, uh, which is which is a big number. And I believe the number is we're over 140 megawatts of pre-leasing for 2021. So that's space that's already been uh, allocated that's currently under construction. That's just unprecedented. You know, you kind of hear the numbers from these other markets. It's, 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 uh, it's nuts. And so and Nova had about 250 megs of absorption 19, if that's a just point of comparison. But the reality is land is getting really tight. Power is getting really tight. And, um, you know, for the Ashburn proper area, 
very limited um, number of opportunities for continued growth from the data center perspective, but uh, there are a number of users there. We've seen a lot get pushed out to Manassas and Reston. Uh, obviously, Compass has uh, a campus. Is that in Manassas proper? Leesburg. It's on the other direction. Yeah, yeah. So just north of, of Ashburn. So lots of, uh, I, you know, I think we're going to continue to see Hyperscale is, is the dominant player here. We, we do a lot of financial services business in this market. There's obviously a lot of government uh, and federal business in this market. And I think we're going to continue to see a lot of that roll out. One other thing I just comment on is, um, and I can't, I can't say too much, but there are a number of big federal contracts that are out uh, in the market today. And I think when you look at uh, the Jedi program, which has obviously been very publicly, lots of publicity. Uh, yep. yeah, yep. lots of very publicly talked about, you know, the scale of that program, wherever it ends up going, you know, hyperscale, you know, and, and all that. I know Microsoft has won a, a big chunk of it, but however that gets deployed, it's hundreds of megawatts over the next several years. You know, that can transform a market really, really quickly. So I think we're going to see the impact of that start to take place in 21, but it probably We'll see more clearly where that all lays out in 22 and 23 and, you know, moving forward. But there's going to be deals like that that I think are going to really go into a market like Salt Lake or Kansas City or something like that, where it would just completely transform that market. Uh, I think there's a lot of exciting activity yet to happen. Um, and that's just what we know about and not really incorporating, you know, new technology and 5G and all the crazy stuff that's that's in development right now. Yeah, that is pretty amazing, Haynes, when you think about it, as we spent 40 minutes talking about the data center business and we didn't say the word 5G until we were uh, 40 minutes into it. It is – the, the you know, it, it's coming and it's certainly you – know, you, you got the devices and the commercial and the networks being built now. But um, I know it was the first thing, I think, on everyone's lips about a year ago and, and now the pandemic is – and what the pandemic has done to change the way people operate has, has taken center stage. But I agree with you. Five G's coming, and your comment about the government contracts, I completely agree. There, there is so much activity at the federal level there in Nova, which to me is a little bit. On the one hand, I get it because DC, but at the same time, I, I start to think from a, a global communications and internet security standpoint. At some point, so much traffic and so much information and so much of um, the, what the world depends on from a technology standpoint, being being in one place worries me a little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, know, I know on this podcast and you and I can't do anything about it, but I, it, it almost to me, thinking back to 9-11 and the symbolism of attacking the, the, the globe's financial center, you know, I think that, the, that there's potential for that area to just be too attractive a target for a terrorist mm-hmm. attack. There's so much information and so much data and so much transport and so much uh, commerce that goes through there. It's it's not going to slow down to your point, but it just to me, it makes me think that, that diversity on the East Coast is, would be a good thing, which makes me think of Atlanta or Columbus, even though I know Columbus is not a coastal city, but just ways to diversify some of that demand because you're right, that market is just unbelievable um, year after year after year. Yeah, but you know, I think if you think about it in that regard globally, the other major connection markets, it's a single city in other countries, right? You know, it's Singapore, it's it's Hong Kong, it's London. You know, it's not North America. It's, we, we're, we're pretty spread out relative to other countries just because that's of the fair. sheer size that's true. of the country. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Absolutely correct. Well, um, that that's. Uh, can I ask about one city you didn't mention? Just just because sure. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Chicago. It's um, just thoughts around Chicago. Um, uh, love to 
hear your thoughts yeah, there. Yeah, sure. Chicago has had a big year. Particular hyperscaler has taken down, I think now over 40 megawatts of space in that market uh, in the last 18 months. Um, there's been good enterprise activity as well, but we've seen Elk Grove Village just really on fire as far as, uh, you know, stack infrastructure, uh, getting their facility uh, leased up and now building the next phase. Stream got their first facility that they built in that market leased up, building their next phase. Uh, Digital has done really well at their Franklin Park campus. Cyrus One is doing well at their Aurora campus. And then you've got, obviously, very little vacancy at, at 350 Cermac. Um, I think Server Farm has had even a, a couple of, of good transactions this year. So, And then QTS also, I think, has grown at a, at a good pace this year. Chicago, you know, it's kind of, they've had years where there's just not been much activity. Um, but I think for, uh, you know, overall, depending on how you track it, if you, if you don't include Powered Shell, the absorption numbers are a little bit lower. Um, you're, you're around, you know, 15 megawatts of true turnkey. But if you include Powered Shell, that number gets up to 30, 40 megawatts pretty quickly. So it just depends how, how you look at it. But I, I think Chicago continues to be a really critical market. And the, the Illinois tax, tax incentives that were passed, I think, will be beneficial to Chicago in the long run. Well, appreciate that perspective. Yeah, it's, it has been a busy, busy year up there and uh, wanted to hear if you guys had seen the same thing. So we're not in the market, but certainly connected and, and have friends in that space and have heard it's been a heck of a year up there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're seeing some diversity in, in the larger hyperscales looking at that market, for sure. Yeah. Well, Haynes, that is a really, really, really good uh, rundown of the markets. I appreciate you you having the homework handy at your fingertips and being willing to share um, with us uh, CBRE's perspective on uh, North America, Bring, bringing it full circle. Um, enjoy your first Christmas with Charlotte. Thank you. Uh, what, an, what an exciting time. Grateful to hear that she's sleeping through the night. Another huge bonus. And um, we've been picked up a few times by uh, some of, some of the uh, news services and gotten up uh, close to 5,000 listeners. So we'll uh, look forward to hearing awesome. from them uh, here in the new year and excited about 2021. And really, really grateful, Haynes, to have you join us. Uh, hope you and your family have a great uh, holiday season. And we look forward to uh, working with you in the market in 2021. Man, thanks so much for joining me here. Thank you, Raymond. Happy holidays. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, bud. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another edition of Not Your Father's Data Center. We hope that you and yours have a wonderful holiday season. If you'd like to reach us here, feel free to email me, rhawkins, that's R-H-A-W-K-I-N-S, at compassdatacenters.com. We'd love to hear from you, uh, ideas and suggestions. This is our last recording in 2020, and we'd love to hear uh, things you'd like to hear about in 2021. We look forward to hearing from you. You can also reach out to us on Twitter or on our uh, website. But uh, love to hear your feedback and love to talk with all of you again in 2021. Have a great year.